structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. Okay, well, welcome to the Modern Revolution. And here we talk with guests who are multifaceted and affecting the world in many positive ways. And they're not just interested in affecting the world for themselves, but for all of us. As you've heard in previous podcasts, we don't want to beat you over the head with their resume. And we don't want to imply that you must believe everything they say just because of some extraordinary set of past accomplishments. Instead, we invite our guests to come and speak about their experiences and their intentions first, and we're inviting you to listen closely to them. And should their ideas resonate to you, you can learn much more about them and the work uh, that they do at our show notes, which is at themodernrevolution.com. And today's guest is modern revolutionary Katie Steinberg. So Katie, welcome to the Modern Revolution. We appreciate you being here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And I know that, you know, you're, you have many different types of accomplishments. We could talk about different aspects of your, of your work and how your work has affected people in a bunch of different ways. But if I was to ask you to distill your mission in the world to the simplest of terms, how would you describe that in a phrase in a nutshell. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing out there? What I hope to be doing, what I'm efforting to do is uh, mm-hmm. on, a, on an individual scale, create space for spiritual evolution. Um, I think a lot of us have gone to sleep in some ways. And as our you know, church membership declines and uh, more and more emphasis is put on success and productivity and these kinds of things, which are valuable. Um, mm-hmm. but we, there's a piece of us that's kind of gone to sleep. Um, and, uh, I hope to be participating as one member of many in a, in a spiritual revolution and a great awakening that helps us to acknowledge the deepest parts of ourselves, the essence of ourselves, that which comes from and connects with the divine, uh, mm-hmm. and engage people in really unique ways in nurturing that part of themselves. And so when I've listened to uh, your talks in the past, um, you've, you've talked about the rise of the nuns and the people who may not be selecting uh, a particular label as it relates to um, their connection to the divine having a certain framework. But my, and I'd like for you to correct me if I'm wrong, um, I'm not getting the sense that you're looking to bring people back into a structure. It's what I hear is like you're looking to awaken their relationship to themselves in proximity to a divine that maybe they don't realize is there anymore or 
don't realize there is as strongly as it in fact is. How, how would you characterize, like, what that, what the next step in that that um, encouraging people's evolution is? Well, and and in some ways, um, I don't think I think you are right in saying that it's not you know draw people back into the existing church structures of our childhood and our parents and our grandparents, et cetera. However, in some ways, I think that what is rising is the next iteration of church, though I don't know that we'll call it that or that it'll look anything like what that has looked like in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead, I want to point out that um, we talk about these nuns, the the unchurched, dechurched, the people who mark none as their religious affiliation. Um, While they are, are saying they're not affiliated, they're also saying more and more increasingly that they experience a sense of awe and wonder, that they experience spiritual peace, So that tells me that there is still this connection point, that there is still this um, sense of who we are in the bigger picture of the universe, of the world. And so it's kind of a both and because I do see it as the next sort of reformation. Um, But I also see it as such a different form that it may not even identify with its previous version uh, in many ways because I think that people are going to find all kinds of different ways of nurturing that spiritual self and connecting with the divine. Uh, And it won't be so obviously in uh, the boxes with the steeples (laughs) that uh, that it's so frequent. Yeah, right, right. I mean, and as Reformation is about re-reforming, right, redoing, re recasting and so in the positive sense what you're talking about is you know uh, awakening and and bringing out of people these things from from the from qualifying the problem you you touched on it a little bit in terms of um, competing idols in a sense like you know success and whatever competing with Mm -hmm. other choices about where to where to point yourself if if you were going to talk about the problem that you're looking to work on, the problem in the world you're trying to solve, what, how would you characterize that? Well, in some ways, I think it's hunger. Now, I'm not talking physical hunger, of course, but it's spiritual mm-hmm. hunger. Um, you know, and I think that because we were told for a lot of our lives that there was one place to feed our spiritual hunger, and that food wasn't working well for a large majority of our society, as the Pew Research numbers show, we just continued to get hungry and maybe even a little hopeless. Um, what I argue and what, what the missing piece argues is that, you know, we're more than just our spiritual self and that all of those things overlap. You know, like so much of our, our physical health, we know that there's a mental component, right? And we know that there's right. a physical component of our mental health. Well, similarly, I believe that all of these physical, cerebral, and then what we do with it are part of our spiritual health as well. So it's finding all these different ways that nurture that deepest sense of self and becoming aware of them instead of it being, you know, hey, I go for a run and I know I feel good, but but Mm -hmm. why? What's happening inside us? So it's it's more about sort of flipping on the light switch and engaging more deeply deeply, mindfully, thoughtfully in the different experiences of our life and recognizing that, in essence, everything is spiritual. Uh, there's, there's that component in all that we do. If we're being mindful of it and aware of it, 
and I think it's an important piece that we, you know, we don't have gyms around for our spiritual fitness, right, on every corner. Yeah, right, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I mean, in the – nurture. Okay, yeah. And so I don't know if, if this is a fair, like, uh, paraphrase, but, I mean, in terms of the problem, if I was to, to paraphrase what you just said, I mean, hunger, and, and maybe, maybe the country of England – when they appointed a minister for loneliness is, is mm. some sort of analogy to that. And that there's mm-hmm. uh, in the absence of that hunger that you're describing, which is, Hey, um, you can have a lot of pieces of your life going well. Um, uh-huh. you, know, you may have material success. You may have uh, accolades, you know, from the public, but there's a, a, a kind of fundamental issue that if it's not addressed, that hunger is present and the rest of it is less um, vibrant than it would otherwise be. I mean, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I got what you're saying precisely right, but that's a little bit about what I, what I heard. And I'm sure, you know, it's just interesting to me that this conversation, you know, happens in the same year that England appoints this minister for loneliness, which in some senses might be a, a synonym for hunger in my mind. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's absolutely indicative. And some of why we struggle for the language to put around this is because it's not something that's been frequently talked about, right? It's always Mm -hmm. been thought of if you were physically healthy. And then recently, there's been more attention, you know, in the last 50 to 100 years about our mental health, right? And now we're realizing, I think, that there's yet another component of who we are as complex beings that also needs nourishment. And as yeah. soon as I said needs, I thought, oh, dear, don't let it feel like an obligation. What I think is more true is that these things overlap and integrate. Um, just like when we start paying attention to our physical health, we start feeling a little more mentally healthy. Um, I think this is the same kind of thing where it overlaps some, and it's more about turning our attention and our focus um, and mindfulness into the things that are already a part of our lives uh, and loving more deeply, you know, and, and just paying yeah. deeper attention. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I like all of that. I think, I mean, we have a variety of health and wellness services that are part of work that we do in our, our local community and are, we're bringing actually outside of that. And, you know, if your diet, <clears throat> if your physical diet consists of really, really bad food, well, you know, it, it impairs your ability to do other things and so and if you're not sleeping mm-hmm. and if you're not exercising uh you know all of those things um all hang together uh but as you mm-hmm. say that there's i think churches might have been the gymnasiums of the past for many people mm-hmm. or perhaps synagogues or mosques that were the spiritual gymnasiums of the past but um you know they're uh, not as connected to our lives as as they were and um what i'm hearing <laughs> you talk about is that you're that is the problem you're, in some senses, you're looking to uh, overcome this hunger and this lack of places to get satisfied in that regard, which is a very big idea, which is a, you know, ambitious, um, you know, anybody who's looking to do something big in the world, uh, you know, this is, a, this is quite an, an undertaking. Um, and I respect the fact that you are saying, well, I'm doing this one at a time, but um, a lot of what you're doing seems like it takes place in community uh so you're you're also building structures you know not just talking to someone individually i i'm curious if there was a point in your life when 
you knew that this was the problem you wanted to work on? Like, was it an epiphany, you know, a moment in which you kind of came to it? Or was it a, a gradual and sort of incremental move towards this, towards what you are doing today? Yeah, I think it's more gradual and incremental. And I think it's really, in some ways, part of this is selfish. <laughs> and I think people who have great passion for an issue, often it's because they have real life experience with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I'm a preacher's kid, grew up in the church and that kind of thing, um, but always felt like the rest of my life was separate from that world. And it mm-hmm. didn't make sense to me in a way I didn't have words for in, you know, adolescence and those kinds of things. But, you know, I just always felt sort of like a bridge person kind of between these different worlds, this very secular, you know, school and, you know, friend groups, et cetera, and church groups and mission work and those kinds of things. And I think there was part of me that always wanted to draw those things together in ways that made sense to both. And I think the old model was, well, if you could just get people into churches, then they would be okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't work for both parties. Right. Um, And so I think that, there's been sort of a slow gnawing uh, kind of calling in my life, if you will, um, yeah. to find ways to bring those things together. And uh, it was probably, you know, I, I went to seminary and I left for a period and came back. And it was, I think, during that time that it began to crystallize for me this idea that our physicality, our mentality, um, our spirituality, and then our, our ability to go out and do something with it because all those other things could be very internal. I think looking at those four things and sort of starting to put words around that and talking to people about that is, you know, so somewhere in my mid to late twenties, it became apparent to me that there was another need for ways to exercise all these parts of our, ourselves toward really becoming better humans and nourishing that, that hunger that we don't really have a lot of good words for. This is a complicated set of variables that kind of you felt, maybe at different times in your life to a different degree. You, know, you might have felt mm-hmm. the separation between, you know, behavior and attitudes in one part, you know, of mm-hmm. your life versus another part of your life. And, and it, it's, it sounds to me, I mean, like a, a journey towards integration of, mm-hmm. you know, the different parts of you. And, you know, and I, I think of that as an analogy to physical health. I mean, um, mm-hmm. In the old model, in the sense that you talked about, get someone into church for an hour a week or two hours or whatever, Sunday, all day, maybe even. But then you have the balance of that person's life the vast majority of times outside of that context. And and that's, if, if that's the only place that that lives, the, the, then the balance of it is just a much, much bigger influence. I think of that with, with exercise, you know, you train somebody or you're training yourself and if you're you know, you got your 45 minutes or hour and a half workout in, but then the other 23 you know, or 22 and a half hours of the day are all, you know, working against that workout, then yeah. guess what wins? You know, you can't, um, you're not going to work your way out of a bad diet, so to speak, right? So like mm-hmm. that integrated approach in terms of physical health, it, it, you know, is maybe a little more apparent, but, you know, you're talking in a more deeper, deeper manner. So when, when you think about, I mean, you're in a contest, you're in a challenge to kind of how things are, um, what, what are the assumptions that people have that when you bring this perspective, what assumptions are you challenging, do you think? What, 
what do people, what's inherent in people's kind of current perspective that's um, supporting the status quo? I mean, what, how would you describe the forces that are the most powerful that have things the way they are now? And then as you're challenging that status quo, what assumptions underlie that? Well, I, I, think, I think some of it is um, there's a lot of trust issues, I think, that people bring to it, particularly okay. folks who have had some kind of negative experience in a traditional religious structure of some description. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot, of, a lot of sort of distrust. Wait a second. Is this just covert operation church, covert operation mm-hmm. Jesus, something like that? So I think, I think that's <laughs> yeah. one of the big obstacles. I think also it's just not a widely recognized or talked about thing that there may be this other component that's valuable to nurture. I mean, and I think we're getting little hints of this in lots of places, so I don't feel like this is a battle I'm fighting alone. But I mean, just look at the growth of like the self-help section <laughs> in your bookstores right. and things like yeah. that. It's become clear to people in little bits and spurts that there might be more to us than just what we can produce, and even more to us than what our physical bodies appear uh, as from the outside. Um, you know, and so I, I think we're starting to dissolve some of the barriers to entry, which would be around, like, why is this important? Why would I spend my time this way? How is this valuable and productive and those kinds of things and say, hold on, <laughs> isn't it valuable and productive to be shaping ourselves? And, and I found one of the most effective breakthroughs for people is instead of thinking about themselves, because you've been taught so much about selfish, we think about the kids, like the next generation. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about how do we want to make good humans out of these innocent, beautiful, sweet little beings, right? Because we can feed them the right things and we can get them in the right schools and we can, you know, get them in sports and all these different things. But it, is there not something else? Is there not some missing piece, which is actually where the missing piece name came from, right. yeah. um, mm-hmm. that helps make good humans? And a big piece of that is, is serving and nourishing that deeper essence of who we are. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of things that you're having to overcome then, it sounds like, you know, my, what I just heard, and, and correct me if I don't get it just right, I mean, there's a a force of, like, initial value, like, why, is this really as important as, you know, is this a platitude, or is this fundamentally important, like, that's a force in and of itself, and then, like, well, maybe somebody said okay i'll do that and then had a bad experience in a in a formal church structure that mm-hmm. turned them away um and, I, and i'm one of those people you know in in myself because the catholic church was my tradition and um things that have gone on in the catholic church have made it have broken my relationship to the catholic church in an irreparable way i don't i don't have it I don't have the capacity to um, heal that division between myself and, you know, what what was my spiritual vocabulary? I mean, I, I, I'm really grateful for having been taught uh, tools in which to express, you know, what, you know, to give myself language, to be taught language for how to talk about the divine, how to talk about spiritual stuff. But, you know, when, when I look at myself, my guess is that I'm not – you're coming across similar people like me where they might have grew up in a tradition and then somehow or other they felt like that tradition was different. The eyes of an adult saw that differently from the eyes of a kid or, or, or an adolescent. Um, 
and they're and they and they're heard about that or whatever is the right term but um you know you have a it's something to get over to get them back into the first part of what you're saying which is hey this is important <clears throat> and without it your life can't really blossom the way it is i mean is that I can't, I don't want to downplay the whole selfishness aspect. I mean, we're taught that to do anything that feels good to ourselves, that often that is selfish. Um, Mm -hmm. It is not worthy of your time. It's not productive. It's not contributing to society, whatever, whatever. And, uh, and I think that that is a big obstacle to overcome for people. You deserve this. You deserve to nurture the deepest parts of yourself. And furthermore, that does end up playing into how you relate to other people and how you relate to the world. So in, in essence, it really does, you know, serve the world also. Um, but, but I think that, I think that if, if my, one of my core beliefs is that we are all created in a divine image, that there is a divine spark inside each of us, then you are worth nurturing yourself deeply. Um, and, and, you know, and that looks, may look from the outside like all kinds of frivolous things. Like some, some people really get into, like, coloring or journaling, and it takes some of your time. But it's worth it because you're worth it. Yeah, and so, I mean, listening to it just in the context of a conversation, there's a certain – it feels self-evident, right? Like, oh, of course people are worth it. But when – you know, when you're dealing with this problem, what do you think makes people view this problem as less serious than it in fact is? Like, what, why, why don't people recognize, they may have, they may even understand on some level what you're talking about, but they, they, it hasn't, because this problem is so prevalent, it hasn't been amplified as like, hey, this is something serious I have to address. Like, what's in the way? Why, why don't people see this as serious as it is? I think there's a lot of, you know, it's not external necessarily. I mean, you can look like a supermodel and you can be eloquent and financially successful and all these things um, and, and just be falling apart inside. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, very obvious from the outside, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one of the major things, I think because it's sort of a long-term lifestyle result kind of thing instead of immediate results. Mm-hmm. I think we're real big on immediate results, like how many right. you know, likes can I get in the first 30 minutes after I post kind of stuff, you know? Sure. And so I think that's another um, barrier for people to recognize, recognizing the value of this. Um, yeah, it's, it's not externally praised. It doesn't have immediate results. And, you know, and there's, there's probably a lot of other things. We've had these bad experiences, our past indicators of what it meant to be spiritual um, don't line up with what we feel like we need now. And so yeah. what do we do? Yeah. Am I going to sure. go out and find the thing? I mean, it's not just being dropped in my lap. So, I mean, I think all of those things kind of play into why we devalued that particular kind of nourishment. And so this is a, a long-term issue in all of our lives, an issue that probably we'll do better at doing. There will be times when we do really well at handling it, and probably times that we don't, and there will be external and internal reasons. For the person who's maybe listening to you and is saying, well, okay, I, I kind of re- the idea of a hunger resonates with me, the idea of, you know, the difference between getting something immediately versus long-term and the, the difficulty of choosing 
the long term or over the tyranny of the urgent. I mean, I gotta, I have to do certain things now, um, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. If you were gonna say to that person, like, here's a small behavioral change to align yourself with deepening the nourishment of you in a way that will, will pay, you know, it's going to really reap you great rewards. What, what would you advise them? Like, how would you talk about, like, a particular specific small behavioral change? So to pick one, I mean, and of course my mind is flooded with 100, but to pick sure. one that I think is so easy and so valuable and can be so transformative on, on many levels, is deep breathing. You know, we go okay. through most of our life taking these shallow sips of air, and it's enough to get us by. But when we breathe deeply, we realize our capacity, and it, it nourishes, you know, ourselves physically. I mean, our, our bodies work better, our brains work better, et cetera. Our, we slow down for a moment when we breathe deeply. I mean, almost, almost naturally, unthinkingly, it's the first thing we do when we get stressed out, right? That big sigh, we know mm-hmm. that we right, need right. this. You know, so whether that's setting aside some specific time or, you know, setting some little ping on your watch. Actually, I know some of the watches now, the new fancy watches, will stop and remind you to breathe, actually taking advantage <laughs> of that. Um, but I just think those little moments of mindfulness that are as close as your breath yeah, uh, can, right. can be exceptionally transformative. You know, because a lot of you take a deep breath, you kind of look around. You sh- we shut our mouths for a moment, something I struggle with. <laughs> um, right, right, right. We become aware of ourselves and our surroundings in a new way. So even if it's just a little deep breathing, I mean, one small act, I think, can really be transformative for people, for our calmness, for our thoughtfulness, for our awareness, all of those things. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, Dr. Andrew Wheel talks about, uh, you know, there may be two autonomic nervous system behaviors that are both automatic and voluntary at the same time and that mm-hmm. your body will breathe, you know, like without you telling it. So, you know, mm-hmm. we're lucky we don't have to take a thought each time we breathe in, but then you can control it too, right? You can yeah. choose how to do that and, and blinking your eyes will blink away stuff without you having to tell it to and, and then you can control it. Um, which are two just interesting, mm-hmm. just, you know, physio- <clears throat> physiological things. And, and I really, the, the breath, I think, shows up in, <clears throat> if not all spiritual and religious traditions mm-hmm. around the world, it, um, it certainly feels like it to me. I mean, there's yeah. all the, I think, you know, I think about I think Islam has uh, <clears throat> the notion that you're allotted a certain number of breaths, you know, in your life, like you, and uh, so if you breathe more slowly, you <laughs> extend your yeah. time, uh, you know, like a, um, if, if not a joke, uh, you know, a, a good principle metaphor. of what you're saying, yeah. Maybe a good metaphor for that, right? And, um, mm-hmm. and certainly the Asian traditions of, uh, of meditation, you know, often, often begin with exactly what you're saying. It isn't, I mean, I know as a theologian, you know, the etymology of words much, much more than I do, but I think of, what is it, spiritus, which, you know, has that spirit and breath having some linguistic link somewhere along the way. Absolutely, they do. And, and even um, in the Judeo-Christian religion, when God announces God's self the first time in the Old Testament books, mm-hmm. the name God says is a breath. It's 
has no uh, hard sounds in it. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, so it's almost yeah, right, like right. the first thing that's on our lips, the first thing that announces we are alive is a breath. You could say the name of God. And the right. last thing that announces the end of our life, our final breath, is the oh, name yeah. of God on our lips. And so it's, it's deeply rooted in many, many traditions and I think just in our essence, in ourselves, uh, the breath. Yeah, so think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, certainly if you were going to have a hierarchy, I, I forget what the, the, the math precisely is, but if you're going to pick um, food, water, or air, uh, it's pretty mm-hmm. clear, you know, which one, if you're absent, you know, air, you got a lot shorter time with us than if you're absent uh, water and or food. And, and so, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it is the, the central engine of, of our living. Um, yeah, well, I, I like that. I like that a great deal. I I have meditation practices that have been a part of my life that focusing on the breath um, as somebody who's not naturally calm. I'm not a I'm not one of those lucky people that kind of walk through life with a nice, easygoing. I'm, I'm much <laughs> I'm much uh, built differently than that. Um, and uh, you know, one of the other places where I catch myself in, in that uh, in that manner is, is eating. Um, like I, I think about chewing as as one of those similar disciplines. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's it, it it can be a spiritual act to just take a second and like yeah. really like notice <laughs> what you're eating. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's just another another similar thing. Yeah, and thinking well, about the journey your food's taken, too. Yeah, I mean, eating food yeah, is a very, yeah. very spiritual act. And yeah, many religions it, recognize that also. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, and as a, I mean, right, so water and food and air, I mean, these are all the things that make us up. Um, so it makes sense for that to, to be as important um, as it is. And, the, and the, it's funny that you mentioned the, the journey of the food because we, in our health and wellness things locally, we talk a lot about, like where did your food come from and what conditions and how has it arrived to you? So, yeah, I I love the fact that you include that. Well, my next question kind of moves um, as we kind of head towards the conclusion of our interview. Um, I know you've accomplished many things, but when as we are introducing you to the audience for the first time, could you talk a little bit about maybe – like the one accomplishment or one thing you're either doing now or have done in the past where, um, you know, if someone was going to say, hey, I heard Katie Steinberg on the Modern Revolution and, um, and, and, and here's something about her that's cool. Like what, what, what would you want people to say? Uh, you know, I, I really think it's starting uh, Missing Peace, which is the spiritual community that we started here in Ormond Beach, Florida, um, where we, you know, engage in physical activities cerebral engagements, spiritual practices, and serving opportunities uh, in a rotation throughout the months of the year. Um, And we, to do that, we're a nomadic community. We move around. And I remember just when I was preparing to start Missing Peace and sort of starting to build up this idea, you know, there was just a lot of like, how is it going to work? And what are the logistics? And, you know, how are you going to find people? And how are you going to, you know, there was just so many objections um, that I, I, I almost didn't start it. <laughs> yeah, but right, um, right. At, one po- 
But at one point I remember, um, you know, turning to my husband and saying, I feel like I'm running towards a cliff and God's saying jump. And I'm going, jump? <laughs> I can't jump off a cliff, you know. And, and my husband right. turns to me and he goes, Katie, you already jumped. Yeah, and I just had nice. this sense that what we were doing was, valid and valuable and and we mm-hmm. we're going on three years now and people continue to show up and people continue wow. to want to deepen their experience and to serve other people our most popular expressions are serving expressions which has blown me away because they're the hardest they're the most work you know they're the most right right, right. Tears. Uh-huh. Um, and and people want to participate in their continued becoming um, so it has been formative for me, and I hope formative and inspiring to many others. Um, but that's, that's, to date, the greatest thing besides making my children that I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, um, well, yeah, you're missing pieces, a child of sorts, I guess. Huh? I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah, okay. something that you brought into the world. It wasn't there before you, and then, you know, through your own imagination and effort, you know, then then it was there, which is, you know, that's inspiring in and of itself. I mean, we talk about having a hunger that needs to be fed. You know, there's, there's faith in words and then faith in actions. And, you know, I think you have to have the language for what it is you want to do. And, and then mm-hmm. once you get that language, you have to go do it. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, you're sitting at the edge of, um, you know, a process that was incremental. You sort of found your way and refining and, uh, I'm sure missing piece was going to look different three years out than it, you know, than it does today. The way that it looks different uh, from the past right now. Um, yeah. So we're going to have we have in fact show notes about you at themodernrevolution.com. But where else would you like people to find you who'd like to learn more about you and connect with you and perhaps support you in one way or another? Um, where where yeah, where are those um, locations? Well, and I and I I believe they are in the show notes too. So uh, no need to run okay. and grab a pencil or anything. But um, you know, yeah. uh, missing missingpeacecommunity.com is a great way to okay. learn more about missing peace and the different activities we're doing. And listen, if somebody feels compelled to do one or more of these activities in their own community, please steal my ideas. They are they are not for sale. They are not uh, you know I do not feel possessive over them. I hope my great hope is that it sparks other versions of this uh, all over the place of gathering people for goodness. Um, so so go there if you want to know more about me personally. I have a website katiesteinberg.com um, where you can find out about me or if you know other people want to chat or those kinds of things. It's a it's a great place to get in touch. And um, missing piece and myself are all over. The social medias so uh, feel free to hunt us down on you know Facebook Instagram Twitter those kinds of things and glad to be in touch and talk about ideas I mean one of a, a myriad of what could be beautiful outcomes from just this conversation I hope is that it sparks an idea for someone who um, either chooses to nurture themselves in a new way or chooses to build some community around it because I think that can be one of the most valuable ways to affect our own lives and others is by gathering people for a good purpose yeah, well, I, oh, and I, I find that just lovely, Katie, because what I hear is an invitation to address, you know, as we spoke in the beginning, the hunger uh, and not, mm-hmm. the, you know, not the invitation to, to build something 
um, that serves something other than that. So you're, right. it's a, it's, you've chose a big problem to go after and you're saying it can't just be about me. It has to be about, you know, oh, yeah. and there are those of us who will lead because those are our gifts and so on and so forth. And those of us who will follow, because those are our gifts to do that. And people who have language and people who know how to build things and all that stuff, it sounds to me like you're organizing um, the gifts of those around you in a way that uh, everybody, everybody wins. That's the great yeah. hope. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, well, well thank you for uh, your time with me today. Thank you for talking to our audience and, and bringing yourself to us. So um, I'm very grateful that, that you, spent, uh, you spent this time with us. Yeah, well, it's a great gift to me, and I'm, I'm glad you started uh, this podcast and all the other ways that you're reaching people, Peter. So thank you. Oh, that's, that's, that's very that's generous. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Today's modern revolutionary is Katie Steinberg, and she is moving us forward. And like others that we've talked to, she's clear-eyed about our current situation and brave enough to bring her thoughts and her words out into the arena. Let them inspire you to bring your ideas to the world. To the world, don't lock them away. The modern revolution needs us all. The show notes for this show and all our shows can be found at themodernrevolution.com. So please go there where you can check out the show notes and learn more about our guests and see some of our fun videos like "Tell Big Soda to Piss Off." The Modern Revolution is a production of A Well Run Life. In A Well Run Life, we have an additional podcast by the same name, A Well Run Life, and it's three minutes long. And should you be interested in some of our additional ideas, Peter Dealey, myself, I have a book called The Leadership Miracle, and it's 35 minutes, and it's on audible.com for $3.95, so you can check us out there as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. This podcast sounds a little bit better on the podcast player, CastBox. In fact, I think of it as Podcast Bliss. They've been a great supporter of ours through this podcast and our other podcast, Well Run Life. And so if you haven't checked out CastBox, we encourage you to